Today, um, I hope you're hungry for a steak. Does anybody like steak as much as I do? There's nothing like a good steak that's been grilled on the grill and a baked potato with, you know, the sides, you know, cheese, sour cream, butter, you know, maybe a little real bacon bits, you know what I'm talking about? Not that fake stuff. That's not in the word of God. It's got to be the real stuff. And, uh, you know, you got some asparagus, maybe grilled or something that you like, probably broccoli, probably not. But today, if you came for a dessert, you probably came for the wrong Sunday, because I want to serve some good steak today. Is that okay? Can anybody gnaw into a good old T-bone right now? Just Doesn't that sound awesome? Ribeye? Oh, I'm, I'm getting a lot of witnesses in the house today. Martin, yeah, I'm getting preach it. Yeah, there we go. So we're going to uh, we're going to have some steak today, and it's it's going to be maybe difficult to hear, but I think that it's very important we as a church that we understand some things and some times that we're living in today. I want to speak about the voice, the voice. How many's ever seen the TV show The Voice? Raise your hand. It's a very interesting show, and it's an interesting concept. Since uh, 2011, there are judges, and typically there's four, and they'll sit with their backs to the, uh, to the singer that's auditioning, and they're called blind auditions. So they don't even get to see the person that's singing. But if that person who is auditioning will use the voice that they have, even without being seen, they have a chance to be picked and eventually maybe get into the final, the finale and be able to win the whole thing. I, I, I believe Todd Tillman, he was a Mississippi pastor that won last year. And uh, go pastors. So today's message I want to take from Deuteronomy and we're going to talk about the voice and how important the voice actually is. I want you to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 22. And I want to set this up before we talk about this scripture because it can be easily misunderstood. Because women that were in the Old Testament, it was, it was just a different time in the world. And there was, there was no way that women were appreciated or valued. Um, they did not have freedom or a voice that we're talking about today, like women have today. And aren't you glad that society has changed? Can I get a good amen? So I, I don't want you to misunderstand when we read this scripture. And because women under no circumstances should ever be abused by a man, no matter what the woman has done. Can I get another good amen? It's wrong and it's evil. But in this text, I'm going to show you the Old Testament law of what the world was included. Before Jesus came on the scene and actually gave uh, liberty to all of us, women included. And there, are, there is a spiritual lesson that I want to convey from this Old Testament scripture. And, and even though it might be hard to hear this and to understand what the word is trying to say, I, I want to explain it to you. Because it's very important 
that we use the voice that God has given to us. So let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 22, starting with verse number 23. And that's, this is about the law of sexual immorality. If a young woman who is a virgin is betrothed to a husband, and a man finds her in the city and he lies with her, and other translation says forces himself upon her, then you shall bring them both out to the gate of that city, and you shall stone them to death with stones. The young woman, because, now notice why she is to be stoned with the man, because she did not cry out in the city. And the man, because he humbled his neighbor's wife, so you shall put away the evil from among you. Wow. That's pretty heavy, isn't it? Let's read on. Verse 25. But if a man finds a betrothed young woman in the countryside, and the man forces her and lies with her, then only the man who lay with her shall die. But you shall do nothing to the young woman. There is in the young woman no sin deserving of death. For just as when a man rises against his neighbor and kills him, even so is this matter. For he found her in the countryside or the field, and the betrothed young woman cried out, but there was no one to save her. No one to save her. Today I want to tell you, your voice has power. Silence actually can be deadly. It actually can be a sin in this case in the Old Testament. We see in this text that there's two women. Both were engaged. They had that one year up to two years of engagement where they were actually technically married but not living together yet. They're getting ready for the wedding but in one picture, somewhere in a city, a woman is ascended by a man. And in the Old Testament, it was a sin for her to keep silent about it. And they were both to be stoned. And I, I don't know what the excuse may be. Maybe she feared this man. Maybe he was very powerful or wealthy and she didn't want to stand up and turn him in. I mean, I don't know. Whatever the case may have been that God was, was saying that, you need to cry out when these things happen in the city. And when she chose not to cry out because of what the attacker did, she was found guilty according to the Old Testament law. So both were to be stoned. That was in the city, but in the countryside or out in the field, if a woman was assaulted... She's out there maybe working in the field and some evil man, an attacker comes and forces himself upon her. If she cries out, she is not to be stoned. Only the man. You say, well, pastor, I'm confused. What is this spiritual implication you're trying to bring across? Well, I'm so glad you asked me that question today. If you remember, Jesus said in one of his parables in Matthew chapter 13, verse 38, he said, the field is the world. So you've got 
this lady that was, in, in a spiritual sense, the person that's out in the field, and even though she cried out, nobody was there to help her, she, she didn't get stoned because there was no one there to help her. So the field is the world. But Hebrews 12 and 22 says, But you have come to Mount Zion, the city. Everyone say the city. Yeah, that's good. The city of the living God. So church is basically the city or the kingdom of God. Once you come into the church or the city, then you're no longer in the field any longer. You're, you're living in one place or another. You're either saved or you're not saved. And the field is the world and the city is the kingdom of God. Now notice that attacks happen to both people in the world and in the church. In the field and in the city. The enemy is going to come against you no matter where you live. Your life. Either in the world or in the church. But don't think for one moment that the attacker is going to leave you alone. Because the devil is not even good even to his own. Satan. Don't be a victim of Satan's love. And think that you're safe just because you're in the world and that he's going to leave you alone. No, he's not going to. And the Bible says that sin is actually fun for a season. But at the end, there's going to be an attack of Satan. And he does not love you. In fact, he is against you. You know what his job description is? Kill, steal, destroy. That's his job description. And he does not like you if you're in the church. And he doesn't like you if he's got you in the world. Doesn't matter where you're at. And in this pandemic, we're all going through it, aren't we? We're all feeling the effects of this COVID. I can't imagine going through this pandemic without Jesus Christ. I just couldn't imagine it. Can I get a good witness today? I'm seeing people... It's mandatory in Round Rock, and I understand that through December 29th, it's in Williamson County, it's, it's going to be mandated that we continue to wear the mask when we go into public places. But I think today that there are people who wear spiritual masks, that you can't tell that something's wrong. You, you don't know what's happening in their life because the people think everything's okay, and they are dying inside. People in the world and people in the church. Today, some of you are dying from addictions, but you're acting like everything's okay. Some of you, it's about alcohol. You're trying to hide it. You're trying to act like everything's fine when you know you're dying. Some of you, it's certain kind of drugs or Maybe it's even a computer that's destroying your life. And it's killing you. I'm here to tell you today, you need to raise your voice to the one who's able to bring you freedom. I'm thankful that I am in the city. I am so thankful for the church of the living God. I'm so thankful I had parents that gave me a drug problem and they drug me to church Sunday morning and Sunday night, Tuesday, Thursday and Saturdays. 
It is the church that has grounded me and saved me. I, I found Jesus in church. My grandma died in a church service. I'm here to tell you, our lives are involved in the church. And I have Jesus every time I have an attack from the enemy. I have one that I call, and his name is Jesus. I feel his presence in this place today. The devil cannot give you peace. The devil cannot give you joy. The devil can give you fake happiness. The devil can make you feel like you're on a certain kind of high. But the old timers say... That Jesus will get you a high that you never come down again. Come on, somebody. He's the one that can bring you joy and peace and love and satisfaction and purpose. The devil cannot give you purpose. He wants to destroy you. And I see some people at this time and this hour, in this day and this age, that are thinking, well, maybe I'll just leave the church. This is not the time to give up, everybody. This is the time for holding on. If you're tempted to leave the church, you will never be happy out there. You know too much. You've experienced too much. You've been in the presence of God. You've been living in the city and you will never be happy out in that field. Because there's hope for you in the church. There's hope for you here in the city, the kingdom of God. And when you are being attacked, then oh, cry out to him. Cry out to Jesus and lift your voice and open up your mouth. Cry, Jesus. Sometimes that's all we can say in, in a seconds of time that we have. Right before our, this car pulls right in front. Let me know what I'm talking about there. A car pulls right in front of you. And all you can say is Jesus. And somehow you did not hit that other person. You cried out to him. Why? He's a very present help in times of trouble. We say, Lord, have mercy. And he hears us. We are engaged to Jesus Christ. We are his bride. He is our fiance. And he's more powerful than any other enemy out there. I thought I'd get a better witness. He's more powerful than any other attacker that's out there. There's nobody like our fiance. There's nobody like Jesus Christ. And when he fights, he always wins. Always wins. We're engaged to Jesus. We are that woman that was in the city And our fiancé is more powerful than any other. And when that old man, the enemy, abusing us, he's actually abusing the apple of God's eye. And our lover gets furious, and he can rip off the head of the enemy. Aren't you glad for that? Psalm 105 and 15 says, Touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm that is you you are the anointed ones and our fiance gets a little bit jealous when he sees somebody messing with his bride you are God's property you are engaged to Jesus Christ and God says 
this is my fight. If you'll call on me, I will fight your battles. Just praise me. Just love me. And I will do the fighting for you. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Hallelujah. We are the bride of Christ, and we are engaged to him. And in the Old Testament, if another man put his hands on an engaged woman, the woman's fiancé had the legal right to take him out. Kind of like that. If you have daughters, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Sometimes, and I've, I've done this so many times in my life, we need to tell the devil, take your nasty, dirty, grimy hands off my family right now in the name of Jesus. So many times I've had to say that this is my home, this is my marriage, these are my children, and they all belong to the majesty of Jesus Christ. And I will not be silent. And when you attack me, I'm going to take this to my advantage. And I'm going to call on the one who loves me, the lover of my soul. And he's going to take care of you big time. And I cry out to him, Lord, heal my family. I'm going to tell you, we have never faced times like we have faced these last few months. And the church needs to lift up their voice and not be silent. How? By the word. Speak up for the blood of Jesus Christ and the name of Jesus Christ. Proverbs 18, 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. These are the days we need to use our prayer language. These are the days we need to speak in the prayer language of God. Well, somebody might think I'm a fanatic, Pastor. Well, I don't care what somebody thinks about me. I'm here to... When the enemy is attacking my family, when the enemy is attacking me, I'm here to tell you I am a fanatic. I'm crazy about Jesus. And I know that he's going to take care of me. If somewhere along your life you get... To the point where you start your own uh, your own corporation, and it's this corporation. I don't give a rip, Incorporated. I don't care what you think about me. I don't care what you want to say about me. I don't really care what you what you have in plans for me because I know even if you try to kill me, I'm going to live forever and I'll be in paradise, and I'm okay with that. I'm not afraid of the enemy. I tell you, we need stuff that works right now. And that's why we have to pray in the spirit and pray with understanding. We need a revival of uplifted voices. We need to pray in the spirit. We need to be militant about this. The Bible says the violent take it by force. You're not in the field. You are in the city. You are in the church. I want to give you a few examples. In Luke 17, there were 10 lepers. And because they cried out, The Bible says they raised their voices shouting, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They received their healing. They raised their voices. What if they never raised their voices? Peter, would they receive their healing? Matthew 14 and 30. You know the story. Peter wanted to walk on water. You know, crazy Peter. I I love that guy. And when he... He was walking on water, but then when he looked around... And that's the problem sometimes when we look around and see what's happening... The Bible says, while he was beginning to sink, I like that, 
while he's beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus just simply took him up and they both walked back to the boat together. Have you ever walked on water spiritually? I have. When we started this work, we walked on water. It is one of the most terrifying things you could ever do in your life. But it's the most wonderful experience when Jesus is holding your hand and he walks you safely to the boat. Mark 10, one more example. There was a blind man. He heard Jesus was coming. The Bible says he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. <laughs> like so many people do. Oh, and then he rebuked him, told him, oh, be quiet. You're not supposed to be loud here. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And he received his healing. If you will use your voice, there's something powerful about the voice. Everyone say the voice. In our nation right now, we're seeing riots. We're seeing division. We're seeing hatred. And we as the church, we need to use our voice and speak up. And pray in the spirit. Pray with understanding. I'm going to tell you, if we don't, this intimidation will kill us. We need to be praying for our nation. We need to pray for this election. I, we really need to pray about this election. Proverbs 14 and 34 says, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. Proverbs 29 and 2. This is, this is so true. We've seen this even in my lifetime. When the godly are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked are in power, they groan. And I'm not here today to tell you how to vote. But if you are a Christian today, my prayer is that you raise a biblical voter. Raise your voice by voting. Be a biblical voter. Both people that are running for the president are humans and they both make mistakes. And I understand that. Because there's no perfect candidates. There's no perfect humans. And I know they both use bad language. You say, well, I don't want a president that uses bad language. Well, I've seen some of your posts on social media. You use it. You're sitting on your high horse like you're perfect. No, you're not. I've seen your posts. I've seen four-letter words being used so many times. I, I thought, I, I thought they were believers. So before you criticize, you might want to look, get the two by four out of your own eye. You know what I'm talking about? My wife sent me a this link, and I I was surprised to hear the Catholic priest and what they had to say about this election. And I, I'm going to be honest, I'm going to stand, I, this is something I've never done in my entire life, but I'm going to stand with the Catholic priest. 
and I'm going to be in agreement with what they're talking about. If you want to look at a website called anticatholicticket.com, you're going to get an earful of what they think about the election. You need to go there. If you want to write this down, anticatholicticket.com. These are the priests saying saying this stuff. I know a lot of you are getting real nervous right now. Well, good. Because no president is perfect. But where they stand on biblical values is important to us as believers. And if I offend you, I'm going to apologize that I didn't offend you sooner. Because the bottom line is, this is what stands forever. This is what stands. And let me go on to say, and this is what judges you and I. Not what society says, this is what judges us. I don't care how many people hold signs, and I don't care how many people say it's okay, but there are three things that I'm going to stand with these Catholic priests and say that we need, there is no negotiation on these three things. And if you have given you problem with this, then you have a problem being a Christian. I'm telling you, I'm giving you some stake today. This is something you really need to pray and think about. But there are three things that are non-negotiable. Number one is the sanctity of life. Do you understand that there have been 61,628,584 babies aborted that they have record of? That is like wiping off California and Florida, the, the first largest nation and the third largest nation in the United States, and just wiping them off the map. Can you imagine... And yet, if some precious pregnant woman is horribly murdered, and you know what that's considered? A double homicide. But if a mother decides that she wants to kill her baby, that's okay. No, it's, it's wrong. The Bible says that he knew us when we were formed in our mother's womb. And it is wrong. We can't, we can't hide behind anything. We, we've got to tell the truth in love. And I'm here to tell you, if you've had an abortion, there is forgiveness. But I'm here to you, and we love you anyway. That baby is in heaven right now rejoicing. But I'm here to tell you, it's still wrong. Do you know that there's a heartbeat in that little baby, even at five and a half to six weeks? When a lot of women don't even know that they're even pregnant yet. They can find a heartbeat that soon. God help us. 60, over 61 million. And yet we have some in politics that strongly support Roe versus Wade. For convenience sake. And how many, how many scientists, how many presidents, how many governors, how how many wonderful men and women have been aborted that could have lived because they had purpose. God had plans for them. 
God bring a conviction on our world. Well, it's my body. Well, that's God's baby. And you will stand before God. Are you hearing me today? You will stand before a holy God over these actions. That's one thing that we cannot be, we cannot negotiate. It's, it's non-negotiable. The other that I believe is the sanctity of marriage. The Bible says that a man and a woman is unified as one flesh. This is what real marriage is. Now, if there are people that are struggling with same-sex marriage, in which evidently there is, there's 500,000 same-sex marriages. I, I just believe that you're confused right now. You're, you, you, you're living in a field, and the devil wants to destroy God's plans and purposes. He, he said to a man and a woman, be fruitful and multiply. And it's a beautiful thing when this happens. And no matter what society says, no matter what they're teaching in college, this is what stands forever. Now, if you're in a homosexual lifestyle, I want to tell you that we love you. God loves you, but he doesn't want you to stay where you're at. It's time for us to repent. It's time for us to turn away from the wicked ways. And I want to tell you the third thing that... And this is the one that really scares me. If the wrong person gets in office. We cannot negotiate with religious liberty. Can't do it. Can't do it. I want to tell you, there's one candidate that vows to enact the Equality Act the first 100 days of office. If you want to write this down, you need to look up what this is. Equality Act has in it. It's disgusting. I'm just going to give you one. It would give bathroom and locker room access to individuals based on their gender identity, not birth sex. So some young boy, in a perverted way, Wants to get into a girl's locker room. All he has to do is say, well, I'm, I'm a girl, really. And he's allowed in our daughter's bathrooms and lockers room. I have a problem with that. You should have a problem with that. And yet it's going to give them the right to do this. And if somebody is struggling in this, I want to tell you, I, I'm sorry that you're struggling. But I want you to know that Jesus loves you and that there is hope for you. And he wants you to change. He wants you to fall in repentance. And if we as parents cannot stand on this, what are we going to stand on? Our children are dying. Our children are going to burn in a devil's hell. And we are just watching it happen. We need to instruct them. We need to bring them to the house of God. We need to tell them what the truth of God is. This is what stands. This is what stands. You say, well, you don't, you don't understand. No, I, I, I may not understand what you and your family are going through, but I know the one who does. And I know what he wrote in this word. And if we're not careful, we are going to die as a nation and as 
the church of the living God, if we do not stand up for righteousness, it's time for us to use our voice. Because if we are silent in the city, both will die. The attacker and the one attacked. We are under such an attack right now. And I'm here to tell you today, please, 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 as a Christian believer, be a biblical voter. I understand there's problems on both sides, but at least there's one side that stands up for the right of life. There's one that stands up for religious liberty. Second Chronicles, and I'm going to end with this. Justin, would you come? Second Chronicles, chapter 7, and verse 14. If we ever needed this scripture, it is today. My heart is heavy. My heart is so heavy. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, and I think that's the key, will humble themselves and pray, seek my face. But you don't stop there. You turn from the wicked way notice what will happen then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land if you haven't had a chance yet I want the next couple days I want you to at least fast one meal. Maybe some of you can do more. And I know these are the moments that are so important. We need to pray. And I know a lot of people say, well, pastor, what are you doing to help the unborn? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Do you know that this church supports the Agape Pregnancy Center? In fact, I'm going to toot my own horn and lose my own blessing. But I bought 20 baby blankets at a place that was going out of business. And I'm giving them to the agape pregnancy. They're the cutest little things ever. This church last year brought in a couple carloads worth of clothes and toys for the agape pregnancy. Center. Yes, we're doing something. We're, we're helping we want these women to know we're grateful they chose to save their baby. And that baby is not a mistake. That baby is God's property. And God has plans and purposes for this. 